Please stand for the reading of God's Word from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The glory, the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, everything says, Glory. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Who is to ascribe to the Lord? In this. Kids, did you see it right there at the beginning? Did you hear it? Who is to do the ascribing? Any of you kids have an answer? You can look up there. Is it up there again? Yep. Who, who's supposed to do it? It's in the first verse. You. That's right. Nailed it. Sons of the mighty. That's right. Sons of the mighty. Now, who are the sons of the mighty? Who are sons of the mighty? What do you think that would be talking about? If you're a son of somebody mighty, what does that make you? You think you have a chance of being mighty? Yeah, a pretty good chance of being mighty. What, what would you call the son of a king? Come on. What's the son of a king called? What? That's right. Prince. A prince. Is a prince a nobody? No, a prince is somebody, right? Prince is the son of the mighty. Prince is important. So the sons of the mighty, are important. Who are they? They are strong people. They are important people. The sons of the mighty get what they want, don't they? Isn't that a big complaint that we have in our nation, that the sons of the mighty get what they want and nobody else does? Don't we have uh, derogatory names for people who get into Harvard because they're sons of the mighty? Right? 
trust kids or, uh, you know, what else do we call them? Uh, it's babies, isn't it? Trust, trust babies, isn't it? Trust fund babies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And yet, they still have power, don't they? They're still mighty, aren't they? Doesn't matter what the, the, the poor commoners like us think they deserve or what they should get. Somehow the sons of the mighty get the perks of being sons of the mighty. Now, this is actually not bad. This is actually the way the world is supposed to work. This is the way God has made it, that men pass on to their children what they have. That's a good thing, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. Do we not want to pass on to our children the good things that we have been able to receive in this life? We want to pass on the teachings that we have heard. We want to pass on the properties that we have. We want to pass on the grandfather clock, right? We want to pass on all that we have been able to accomplish by God's will and see it carry on. We want to see it continue. So let's not, let's not get too jealous in our thinking about the sons of the mighty, right? But we should at least acknowledge that the sons of the mighty are mighty themselves. And so what are these sons of the mighty supposed to do? They are to ascribe. Now, do any of you kids know what it means to ascribe? Yeah, to give. That's a good. That's a good start. To give. You could. You could read this. Give to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Give to the Lord glory and strength. But it's. But it's more than. It's more than just giving. It's giving out loud, <laughs> right? It's. It's giving praise. It's speaking it. Ascribing it to is. It's assigning to it with your words speaking out publicly that God is glorious and strong. God is glorious and strong. Now, I want to stop right here. There are, many, there are many things that we do in this life as Christians that we can easily become embarrassed by. And when I think of one of those, I like to make a point of telling you that you shouldn't be embarrassed about doing good things. Okay? Don't be embarrassed about doing good things. Now, one of these good things is ascribing to the Lord glory and strength. Why do we get embarrassed to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength? Well, one of the reasons that we can be embarrassed to do it to say something like, well, to God be the glory. When somebody says, you did such a good job, right? And I have to face this every week, because every week somebody's telling me I did a good job. Even if most of you didn't think I did a good job, somebody always thinks I did a good job and says, 
good job. And I then have to decide what I'm going to say. Now, some of you have faced this before about various things. Somebody, you know, especially in a religious context. I remember when I was in college and uh, I was sitting down to dinner with a couple of friends, uh, my roommate and the girl he had just started dating. And I said, well, let's pray. And we prayed. And I got done. I said, amen. And she said, good one, Joseph. (laughs) Now, how are you going to respond to that? How, How are you supposed to respond when someone says, good one, about a prayer or about a sermon, right? Or about anything that is righteous, that is, that is good, that we're commanded by God to do, that is specifically religious, how are you going to respond? Here's how you're going to respond. Ascribe to the Lord glory. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. And don't be embarrassed to do it. You have to mean it. That's one of the reasons you'll get embarrassed because you actually don't mean it, right? That's a good reason to be embarrassed. But most of the time, I think that the reason we're embarrassed to ascribe glory to the Lord is simply because it seems too spiritual. It seems too religious. It seems too goody-two-shoes. And and you just don't think that they'll really understand why you would say that. It's precisely if they don't understand why you would say it that you must say it. If they don't understand why God should get the glory, then all the more reason for you to make sure that God alone gets the glory. And so, particularly those who are strong, are warned, told, commanded to make sure that they give to God the glory, that they ascribe to Him the strength. Why? Well, because... Trust fund babies tend to think that they deserve it and got it for themselves. Princes, the mighty, think that they are strong, that they are glorious, right? We do like mighty people. Even if we don't like trust fund babies, we like sports, right? We like our sports stars to be strong. We like them to be able to be the best. We like them to do an excellent job. Right? And to be excellent at any sport today requires you to be strong. You can, you can pick any sport you want, and you have to have built your strength to do a good job, right? You, you see tennis and you see how fast they, they clock the serves. They do the same with pitches in baseball. 
You don't, listen, you don't throw a ball 100 miles an hour unless you're strong, right? And you don't hit it out of the ballpark unless you're strong. And you don't stand on the line playing NFL football unless you're strong. And we ascribe strength and glory to all of them, don't we? And what God says to all of them, everybody that receives glory, all all of the people in our culture who are strong, who are rich, who have power, the command is to all of them specifically ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Not only are we to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, but we are immediately told that the glory is due to his name. Due to him. Means it's owed to him. He deserves it. Elsewhere in scripture, we are reminded that all of the gifts that we have, all of the things that we, that we are tempted to think are our own strength, were actually a gift from God in the first place, right? And so, insofar as you are strong, insofar as you are mighty, insofar as you do have glory, it is only because God gave you that strength. It is only because he gave you that skill. It is all a gift from him. And therefore, the ultimate glory is due to him, right? If God gives you the ability to do amazing physical things, if he gives you the ability to do amazing mental things, if you're wonderful in school, if you're strong and courageous on the battlefield, all of these things are gifts from him. And so it's appropriate that we would praise those good features in man, right? But it's absolutely necessary that we remember that they ultimately came from God. Now, much of the rest of this psalm talks about the rest of creation, but, but we, we've got to start with man. We've got to start recognizing that man was the pinnacle of God's creation, right? And so when we see amazing things in man, is it any surprise that then we would be tempted to take the glory to ourselves and forget about God? After all, we are mankind, right? And so there's, there's an obvious temptation to take the glory for ourselves. But if we remember that we are the creature, not the creator, then we will be inclined to give him the glory. We will be, we, we will not be able to help ourselves. We will worship him. We will worship him. And that's really what giving to the Lord glory and strength, ascribing to the Lord glory and strength, ascribing to the Lord the glory due to his name, 
is. It is worshiping him. Okay? Now, earlier in our service, we also saw a warning that if we don't honor the Son, then we are not honoring God the Father, right? Now, this is important to remember because in the Old Testament, you will see um, the word Lord in small caps a lot of the time, right? Uh, And when you see that, it means that the Hebrew is Jehovah, okay? The name of the Lord, Yahweh, is to be praised. Jehovah is to be praised, the Lord. Why, why do I bring up the Lord? Well, because we see the Lord all through this psalm, and uh, this is... This is a little bit different than saying ascribe to God. Okay? It's ascribe to the Lord. They're different words. We know they're different. And, and we know that they're synonymous. There's a reason that we think when we read the Lord, we think God, right? But the reason is because Jesus is the Lord and Jesus is the Son. He is God. The personal name of the Lord is Jehovah, and Jehovah is revealed in his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, there are many people who claim to be ascribing glory to God, but who refuse to honor Jesus Christ. And they are not giving God the glory. That's what we just read earlier. You understand? They are not giving God the glory due to his name. Why are they not giving God the glory due to his name? What if they say, God is great? Why is that not giving God the glory if the person refuses to honor Jesus Christ? Because God revealed himself in his Son, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why why is it so important that we ascribe glory and strength to the Lord? I, I would summarize the rest of this psalm as answering that question by saying, Don't you hear his voice? Don't you hear his voice? How could you not? It just gives little snippets, little little tiny demonstrations of why it's obvious that we must give God the glory. The first is, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. Now, what does it mean for the voice of the Lord to be upon the waters? We were up in uh, the Boundary Waters in northern Minnesota, right on the border of Canada, canoeing recently. My sons and brothers and brothers-in-law, my dad. And 
When you're out on a lake, one of the things that's really neat is that your voice carries. You guys ever experienced this being out on a lake where it's quiet? And you can call and the, the voice just travels across the lake. It goes and goes. And so you can hear people talking in campsites across. Even if you can't understand them, you can hear them laughing. You can hear them whether they're angry at each other or whether they're having fun. The voice of the Lord is on the waters. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. And what comes over the waters? What is the sound? It's the sound of thunder rumbling across, booming. And if you have ever heard somebody talking across a lake, that doesn't even come close to thunder rolling across a lake, does it? The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. And not just thunder over the waters, but the thundering of the waters. You see the power of the Lord demonstrated in hurricanes, right? Storms on the waters, storms on the sea, coming in to land and... The sea rises up, and the destructive force of God's judgment is seen in a tiny, tiny hint. And we we get to the flood later on in this, don't we? The actual flood. What does it say? It says that he sat As king, verse 10, the Lord sat as king at the flood. The Lord reigned at the flood. He was in charge. He was in control. He was accomplishing his will. He was being king when he sent the flood. That was an amazing demonstration of God's glory, wasn't it? And why did God send the flood? Because the people were not giving him the glory due his name. Now, a couple of nights ago, it was getting to be about time for me to be in bed, and all of a sudden I heard banging. Heidi and I both, what in the world is that? Sounded like fireworks, but big ones, and right outside our house. Which doesn't make any sense. So I went to the back door, I opened it up, sure enough. Booms, explosions. And people walking around in the woods in the creek behind our house with flashlights. No idea what in the world was going on, but you know what? It was loud. Sounded like somebody was breaking up a shed with a baseball bat. Now, 
Think about the side of a shed being a big drum, right? And hitting it as hard as you can with a baseball bat. And the kind of noise that that could make coming out the door, right? It would be loud, wouldn't it? That's what it sounded like. Big fireworks right in the creek behind our house. But what were they doing? They were destroying something. That's what they were doing. I don't know what. My kids went and saw it, right? Did you go see it? What was it? A table made of rocks. That's what they were breaking. So the table was a, the table was a drum head made of rock. It was loud. (laughs) It was not as loud as the guns that the men and boys shot a few weeks ago. Those were louder still and more destructive still, right? You see, power is demonstrated in volume, isn't it? It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. The bigger the explosion, the more powerful it is, the louder it is, right? Then I saw a video of the explosion and shockwave rolling over Beirut in Lebanon this week. And if you haven't seen the video, you should look it up so that you can see what an explosion and power looks like in some small measure that just happened. These are the kinds of things that the psalmist goes on to talk a little bit about. He talks about thunder, sure, He talks about the voice of the Lord being powerful and majestic. And then he talks about trees and what happens to trees when the voice of the Lord speaks. And what happens to trees is they fall over. They're broken. Not dead old ash trees that have been sitting there waiting to break for years. No, the cedars of Lebanon, the strongest, best trees. The cedars of Lebanon break. They break in pieces. In Beirut, the windows broke. Buildings were destroyed. Windows were broken for miles. It's a big explosion. In some of the film, you can see the shockwave coming over the water. And you think, the judgment of God is coming. Behold, it comes swiftly. It comes at an unexpected time. And this is the warning that we're given, that it is coming. This psalm right now, The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. If you want to go back a little bit further, you can look at the pictures of what happened to the trees when Mount St. Helen erupted. We're not talking broken windows for uh, a couple of miles. We're talking all of the trees knocked over, laid down, 
perfectly straight, all the same direction, away from the blast for miles. Huge forests laid bare, just set down on their sides, snapped off at the root. The voice of the Lord is powerful, isn't it? Mount St. Helen doesn't compare. You go back even further. What about when cities were covered with ash, the inhabitants caught in the middle of life? Think of the explosions. You think of the judgments of God that he has demonstrated through creation, through the power of natural disasters that he has sent. And then you come to, you come to verse 6, and it's this beautiful contrast. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. Now, a skipping calf is cute. I mean, I remember when, when my kids were younger that there used to be this video that they would watch on YouTube that was just calves skipping. They loved to watch it. It's fun. They skip, they jump, they hop around in the spring, and, and it's beautiful. Now think about Think about the United States. Think, think about Ohio. Making God make the, the voice of the Lord makes Ohio skip like a calf. Do you want to see Ohio jumping around? What would happen to your house if Ohio started jumping around like a calf? The voice of the Lord is powerful, isn't it? Makes Lebanon skip like a calf. What happens to the trees? They all fall down. When the land starts jumping, we are reminded that God is powerful. Remember hearing about the neighbor of a friend of mine who was lying in bed one night when an earthquake struck. He had just been lying in bed, unable to sleep in the middle of the night, and begun to pray, God, if you're there, show me. And immediately an earthquake struck. Can you imagine? That's what God, God is the one who sends earthquakes. What an answer to prayer. And yet, to my knowledge, that man never repented of his sin and began to live for Jesus Christ. Can you imagine seeing God's hand of power acting with just a little 
just a little earthquake, it's enough to scare you. It scared him. He felt guilty about it because, you know, buildings were damaged and people were injured, I think. I did that. I, I, no, you didn't do that. God did that. God was answering your prayer. Give him the glory due his name. The Lord shakes the wilderness. He makes the deer to calve and strips the forests bare. Now, this again, this is just this contrast, and I love it, because how can you, how can you set those things side by side next to each other? He makes the deer to calve deer. You know, Bambi. Cute. Deer. The calve. You have baby deers. You got little spotted, cute. I mean, is there anything cuter, right? God does that. And he strips the forest bare. He does that with the deer. He makes baby deer. And he makes Mount St. Helen blow up and the forest is gone. He does both of them. And so, in his temple, everything says, Glory! Glory, glory, glory. He sat as king at the flood. All the things that you can think of that are glorious in this world. I mean, probably if I asked you what's, you know, the most glorious thing you've ever seen that's made you feel most Wow, you'd say some movie that was invented by Hollywood. That's sad, for starters. But understandable, because we love our entertainment, right? But God puts all of creation, actual creation, on display for us. He makes his voice known. He shows that he is king at the flood by sending the flood. We want to respond with glory to things that make us feel strongly uh, the amazing nature of what they are, right? And so you see an amazing battle in a movie and, and, you, and your, your feelings well up within you. That was glorious. Or you maybe see it in a rainbow and you think that is glorious. And do we give glory with any sort of emotion to God? Do we give him glory? Can you imagine 
watching Mount St. Helen erupt and responding with, oh, what? You don't respond with, oh, yes, God is glorious, I guess. You respond with awe at his power. And so if we are coming into God's presence, if we are coming into his temple, if we are worshiping him, our voices ought to demonstrate that we give him the glory that is due his name. If your voice doesn't give him the glory that is due his name, if it is empty words and no feeling, if it's not coming out of your heart, if it's simply something you recite back, you have not begun to understand this psalm. How can you see the voice of the Lord, the power demonstrated, and continue with your apathy in worship? How can you be apathetic How can you not raise your voices with true joy when you see God's name being magnified through his actions? We have to respond appropriately. Now, if you continue with apathy, if we continue with apathy so often in worship, is it any surprise that we also continue in sin without fear, though we have seen what God is capable of, though we have seen his judgment poured out on the world, though we have received the warning of what is coming. Though we have seen the shock wave in a video traveling across the waters and seen how fast it comes. And then the windows explode towards the camera. And you think, whoa, that's scary. I'm glad I wasn't there. How can you continue in sin without fear? How can you continue to ignore God? Many, many times, God's people have been complacent in his presence before him, coming into his presence and thinking highly of themselves and thinking not at all of God. And often, he has been gracious and reminded them that he is in control. And so when Jesus came into the temple with a whip, that he had made by hand just for the purpose of cleansing the temple, of kicking everybody out, what was he doing? He was giving God's name all glory, wasn't he? And what a beautiful, sweet reminder that was to God's people at that time, right? And they didn't listen, did they? Will you listen? Will you see God at work? Will you hear his voice? And will you ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name? If you will, 
listen to what will happen. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, how can you not respond by singing when you hear that? You've got to sing. You've got to praise his name. Because that is good news, isn't it? He will give us peace. Yeah, here's the power of his voice. You think of, you think of what happened on the mountain. Thunder and lightning. You think the whirlwind comes. And what does God give in the end? Where is his voice present? In the gentle whisper of peace to his servant, the prophet. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want it to be the gentle whisper of peace from him rather than the explosion of Beirut from him? That's what we want. So let us sing and give praise to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.